Would you like some fresh and exciting ideas to make your church's outreach ministry more effective? Would you like to discover some new cutting-edge methods for your own evangelistic ministry? Well, you're at the right place. Dr. Carlton Bird, Speaker and Director of Breath of Life Ministries and Pastor of Oakwood University Church, will share his best ideas with you. Today's topic, what's working in evangelism? You're watching Ministry in Motion. Carlton, let me come straight to the key question. What's working in evangelism? When I think about evangelism, what's working? Out of my experience, I would dare to say, number one, the general gospel message. I think in our world today, we have many individuals, particularly uh, postmodern society and our millennials, they are looking for an authentic word from the Lord. Okay. And I think with that, as I have discovered in the evangelistic campaigns that I've been privileged to participate in and speak for, that many individuals who come, they're, they're listening and they're, they're captivated by the good old gospel message from the Word of God. And so I think that people want more cut to the chase, give me the Word, um, I, I need Christ, I'm looking for hope, just give me the Word of God, not necessarily into big cliches, fancy titles or just unnecessary rhetoric, if you will, but give me the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Okay, so let's just define things carefully. So are you talking about just the gospel itself? Are you talking about the, the full biblical teachings? Yes, I'm talking about biblical teachings. Okay. Um, you know, I tell people all the time, particularly being at Oakwood University, there are a lot of theology students there. And I say, you know, you, you can shout, you can, you know, get excited, get energetic. But if you're going to shout, you need to say something worth shouting about. That preaching is not just decibel level. And, and so with that in mind, I think people, when they come to evangelistic series, they want to hear something. They want something substantive. They want something that's going to make them nod their head, but something that's going to make them think as well. Something that may make them tap their foot, but something that's going to also you know, prick a thought in their mind about the Bible and how to make the Bible applicable to them. You're really getting now to authority, aren't you? Yes. You, you know, because we're not just speaking when we're doing evangelism, personal opinions or fads or current societal issues. We're really talking now about the, the authority of the Word of God. The authority of the Word of God. How is it real? And then how can I make it applicable, like I said earlier, to my life, but the word of God, not the gospel according to Carlton Bird, not mm -hmm. the gospel according to Anthony Kent, but the gospel according to what thus saith the Lord. And so people are looking for things in the word, new things, ideas, or maybe looking at things from a different perspective that formerly they may not have seen before. Right, okay. So when you're promoting a program, when you're advertising it, do you, do you share with them that it's going to be a full gospel message? How do, you, how do you transition into an invitation into a full message type of program? Well, with that, it's a good question. With that, we have to make sure that we understand how an individual who might be unchurched mm -hmm. or a seeker, how they look at an evangelistic campaign or the word of God might be different than how I might look at it. You know, I'm churched. 
I'm a pastor or whatnot. So you don't become, if you will, as the world, but you must understand how the world thinks if you're going to reach the world. So with that, we understand that people are looking for the Bible, the unadulterated word of God. They want the Bible. But then with that, how do you advertise that? I think mm -hmm. that's what you're asking. Yes. How do you get them to come hear the word of God? There are a myriad of ways, myriad of methods that can be used uh, to begin to attract people to come to hear the word of God. Some are tested, some are tried, some are true, some are traditional, and then some are non-traditional. I want to share with you one non-traditional way. So when I'll go into a city and we have a gospel evangelistic series, a meeting where we're preaching the word of God, I have found that many people, they enjoy music. They enjoy listening to music and they are readily able to recall uh, what we might consider a popular musical artist. And so with that, I have found that the attendance at the meetings in which I engage in is much stronger when I ask a musical artist who's very popular within the community, within mainstream society, when I ask them to come and share their music ministry. I have found this to be very, very positive, very, very beneficial. Because yes, while people want to come hear Carlton Bird, or mm -hmm. they might come to hear and see what's going on at this church or this hall or venue or auditorium, I have found that a magnet of attraction is using the non-traditional means of identifying and then securing a musical artist, a guest singer, who is very well known within the community. Okay, there's a question I've got to ask you. Okay. <laughs> because you, you're talking about non-traditional forms. Correct. And we've got some traditional people that come to our churches. Right. And they might not naturally gravitate to the more contemporary style of music. Correct. There's some obvious friction there. H how does that play out? Well, the thing we have to remind everyone of is our target demographic. Mm -hmm. If our target demographic is in harmony with the Gospel Commission of Matthew 28, go ye therefore, teach all nations. If our target demographic is in harmony with what Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come, then I have a responsibility as the evangelist, as the pastor, to do my best to reach that target demographic. Um, there are a lot of constituencies to which we serve, many, and we must serve them all. But the reality is, if we don't get to that constituency that does not know the gospel between now and the coming of the Lord, they're going to be lost. Mm. And we have a responsibility to get to that constituency. If that constituency of people is saying, look, I may know this popular singer. I may know this individual. Hey, let me come hear them sing. Then I preach the word of God. At the same meeting? At the same meeting. Because it's not a concert. You know, they come and share special music. Then I preach the word of God. And we have found that many people, after that initial night, they will continue to come back the subsequent nights. Because, yes... They were attracted by the thought of hearing this singer, but they heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. They heard the word of God, and God has promised that his word shall not return into him void. And they hear the word of God, and they will continue to come back. So it might be one might say a liberal worship methodology, but it's still the conservative word of God. Right, okay. Now, just, just quickly, so you're using a non-traditional method, but I'm guessing at the same time you're also using traditional methods to attract as well. Definitely. Talk us through that. So definitely with our marketing in terms of flyers, brochures, uh, direct mail outs, if you're able, those are still good ways to reach people. You've got to do whatever is necessary to reach that demographic. So there are some people who still 
respond uh, with the, the traditional direct mail outs and flyers and cards and whatnot. And then that's also a good way to get your membership involved. Mm. Uh, immediately after worship experience, uh, I'll get the congregation, we'll mobilize and we'll go into the community and we have what I call track attack. And with track attack, we go out, we blanket the community, blanket the city with flyers of the upcoming revival or evangelistic series. That's a tested and tried method. That's not anything new. That's something that has been done frequently. And so we do that and people still respond. Then, as you know, we live in a world of social media. We also have to capitalize on social media. So be it Facebook, be it Twitter, be it Snapchat, whatever the form is, you have to utilize that as well. So we have found through the traditional means of the flyers and the cards, through social media now, along with securing that musical artist that is well-known, that all these things, traditional and non-traditional, have contributed to the interest and the attendance at the Evangelistic Series. You know, I'm sure that even with all of that advertising and all of that both traditional and non-traditional means, mm -hmm. one of the most powerful things is a friend inviting. Yes. Another friend. And I, I really want to explore with you the importance of building relationships. Great. After the break, we'll discuss the importance of relationships and how to build relationships so that evangelism does work. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today is evangelism that works and our guest is Dr. Carlton Bird. Now, Carlton, when we're building relationships, yes. relationships are important in evangelism. Very. But, but let me just hasten to add, we don't just build relationships to get somebody to join the church or for the purpose of evangelism. That's correct. Yeah. So let's, let's unpackage the importance of relationships. You're accurate relative to the motivation uh, for building relationships. Uh, there's a song that was coined, they will know we are Christians by our love. So whether one becomes a part of our church or one does not become a part of our church, people will know we are Christians by our love. So with that, relationships, relationships are central, if you will, to uh, the gospel and to, to living the gospel. One has said that the greatest sermon ever preached is the one that's lived. Mm. And I think this is rooted in what Ellen White said in her book, Ministry of Healing. Uh, Jesus' method alone to winning individuals is, is the best method. He won people's confidence, then he bade them, follow me. So with that, uh, we can have advertisement on television, we can have advertisement on radio, we can bring a great musical artist, we can have flyers that we pass out and we distribute, we can be on social media, but the number one form for ministering to people and inviting them to your evangelistic series is relationships. Building relationships with people, your family, friends, co-workers, neighbors. Now, I try to practice this myself. You know, I love people. I love talking I with people. It. I can I see I love it. meeting people. If a person or individual tells me their name, I'm going to remember their name. And when I see them again, I'm going to say, hey, you know, I think that's central. That's key. Uh, in an evangelistic series for me, uh, immediately following um, the preaching portion of the evangelistic meeting, uh, whether it's two people, 200 people or 2000 people in attendance, I, after completing uh, the sermon, will stand at the back door and I will shake everyone's hand who attended that evening. 
get to know them, get to know their names. We also have a demographic way of which we, I should say, a way we get their demographic information. I still do a quiz uh, with those in attendance. I'll grade the quiz cards myself. It's not so much to grade the quiz cards, but to memorize the names of persons who are in attendance. So therefore, at the conclusion of my presentation, as they come back through the church or the hall or auditorium and shake my hand, and they say, my name is John Doe. I said, oh, you live on 123 Main Street, anywhere USA. And they're like, you know. I say, yes, because you're not just a number. You are a person. And, and people want to feel they have that connection with you. So building the relationships, speaking with people, talking with people, and people know if it's authentic or not. Exactly. And that, that's a strong point, I believe, in evangelism. Yeah. And, you know, what, what I like to hear mostly mm -hmm. is when people are connecting with people that they can have a long-term relationship That's with. That's correct. You know, we, we all meet people, and it can be once or twice, sitting on a seat in uh, a plane or a train or a bus next to us. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's the person that we can have regular contact and actually build relationships. To me, they're the significant ones. That is very significant. And so for me, I would share with anyone else, colleagues, friends, if you're going to engage in an evangelistic series, relationships are critical. Your relationships with people, how you interact, how you engage, if you are approachable, all of that is very, very important. Again, that centers in what I shared earlier with words of Ellen White. But I also yeah. want to share another component that kind of, I don't know, is becoming diluted now uh, today in ministry, and that is visitation. Okay, so as soon as you mention visitation, okay. you know, we're, we're, we're thinking of knocking on doors. Right. Uh, we're thinking of traditional methods. Update that for us. How do we do that today? Okay, there is still a benefit in the traditional knocking on doors, inviting people out to the meetings, getting their names and uh, whatnot. But also, while you're in the actual campaign, the campaign can be a week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks. But while you're in the campaign, it's very critical that there is a continued form of visitation. Not just when I knocked on your door inviting you to come, but now after you're there, just want to come by and say hello. I just want to come by, make sure you're enjoying yourself, you're understanding what's being presented. And it's in the home where you have that one-on-one, -on -one, if you will, interaction that proves to be very beneficial. Uh, I have a team of persons, uh, Bible instructors, that systematically and consistently visit those persons in attendance. But I'll share with you, Anthony, I go as well. I'll go in the home, I'll visit, just came by to see you. Oftentimes during the meeting, uh, attendees may have a family member that gets sick. They may get sick themselves. Some even, you know, end up in the hospital for a hospital visitor stay. I'll be very intentional about visiting those persons. Again, they will know we are Christians by our love. Okay. So when, when somebody arrives at the door for a visit, mm -hmm. Does the person feel a little, you know, hey, this is, these people are coming to my home, not, not so close, not so quick, or are they more embracing of it? So it depends. Yeah. You know, different strokes, different folks. Some are very, very uh, welcoming and they are desirous of you coming in, and some are not. Uh, you know, some people prefer not to be visited, and I understand that. Yeah. What, what about, just as an alternative, meeting in a like a neutral venue for a drink or a catch-up or something like that. Does that work as well? Definitely, definitely. Uh, you can meet a restaurant, you can meet, let's, let's meet at uh, the store, you know, yeah. let's just talk, you know, or 
you know, let's get some ice cream or something and let's just meet. I would dare to say, you know, we have to be careful with that and make sure we are appropriate in yeah. all of our dealings. We don't want to give individuals the wrong impression or misrepresent what we're trying to do. Exactly. But all of those are very important. With our Bible instructors, uh, they go out two by two. Yeah. So with them going out two by two, there's always a team of two individuals. So if they meet a student, Bible student who's coming to the revival or they just meet someone, they're always together. And so that way, uh, you know, we make sure that the visit is not misunderstood. And if I can add this from my own experience, sure. you know, um, wow, I, I like to invite people to our home. Okay. And my wife's cooking, I tell you what. When I was pastoring churches, I think I baptized more people because of my wife's cooking, cooking. than my preaching, you know? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, it can go both ways where we invite Definitely. folks to our place as Definitely. well. Yeah. The biggest thing is to make that connection with people. People are different, so there are different ways in which we connect, but relationships are critical. Thanks, Carlton. When we come back, we want to talk about the importance and the value of this time and this age for evangelism. So stay right with us. We'll be right back with more of Ministry in Motion. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today is evangelism that works and our guest, Dr. Carlton Bird. Now, Carlton, why is this day and this age so great for evangelism? It's interesting you ask that and you say that because there are a lot of people who feel that because our world is so secular, you're not going to be able to reach people. But I think this is fine opportunity. I think sometimes we think, oh, it's so secular. People are doing this. Postmodernism has set in. There are no moral absolutes. But I think it's opportunity. I think it's a great time to take the prophecies of the word of God and then apply them to what is transpiring today. For example, we hear of all the challenge currently that's in the Middle East. I think it's a fine opportunity to take what is transpiring in the Middle East and then let's parallel it to what the Word of God is saying. For people, they see that as, okay, the Word is real, it's authentic. Truly the Bible is prophesying, has predicted and foretold this and it's happening. For example, Jesus in Matthew chapter 24 talks about the fact that just before his coming, he shares with us some things that will be going on in Earth's history, wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, pestilences, all in diverse places. He's talking about people marrying and giving in marriage when he goes further down in Matthew 24. When we look at what's transpiring in our world, truly these things are happening. So people say, well, you know what? The Bible is just not a book of good stories. The Bible is just not a book of, you know, morality. But the Bible is real. And there are things in the Word of God that can be applied to today's times, the 21st century, and I can see it. Wars, rumors of wars? Well, right now, you know, even here in the United States, we're hearing of different things right now with some countries. I'll leave nameless. Mm -hmm. But you hear about these things. So it intrigues people. People begin to say, hmm, that is true. When you talk about marrying and giving in marriage and you think about society today, people say, hmm, that is true. So I see it as opportunity. Yeah. I don't see it so much as it's secular, people are not going to listen. It's opportunity. 
And, you know, the, the turmoil that's going on is not just confined to the Middle East. That's correct. You know, individual lives are in turmoil. And before, you, you talked a little in the visitation time about the importance of engaging with people. So lives in turmoil is another opportunity. We don't wish people to have tumultuous lives. Mm -hmm. But when they're there, the gospel does offer them something, Oh, the it? gospel does. It's wonderful. Because people, on an individual basis, as you've shared, they're dealing with life. And one person always tells me there's a lot of living to life. And with life, people experience hurt. They experience heartbreak, financial challenges. People are looking for hope. Mm -hmm. And through the gospel, we can provide that. You know, I think as we're talking right now, uh, the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, there is something there that many individuals can be blessed by, that they can be blessed, you know, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You know, there are different things that can provide people with hope, and what you're going through, through the Word of God, uh, can give you comfort, can give you strength, and the promises of God, as the Word says, are always yes and amen. And so with that, God has promised to be with us. It's in His Word. Share that with the people so they may understand that, you know what? This Bible is true. The Word is true. God loves me. And yes, there is still hope for the world. Now, prayer is also a very significant component. And it's, it's more than a component. It's, it's a way of life. But prayer and evangelism, they really go. Oh, definitely hand in hand. Yeah. I just want to jump in right here, Anthony. It's not by might, not by my might, nor by my power, but by God's might, by God's power and God's spirit. And prayer does that. You know, the Bible's clear, Matthew 7, ask it shall be given. Seek ye shall find, knock and the door shall be opened unto you. I would dare to say that the success that God has enabled me to experience in evangelism has been undergirded by prayer. Wow. By prayer. If I can, I want to share Please. an experience most Please recently. Yeah. Just conducted an evangelistic series in Huntsville, Alabama, where I currently pastor the Oakwood University Church. And prior uh, to the meeting each night, we had prayer warriors, we called them. Yeah. Prayer warriors who, the meeting would begin at 7, but from 6 to 7, they would just pray with individuals who would come to the meeting. Uh, just general, not too specific, but just to pray, you know, may I pray with you? They began to pray with individuals, and individuals began to testify, and right on the back of the quiz card I mentioned earlier, about victories they were experiencing, and they were saying and attributing those victories to the prayers that were going up on their behalf. So prayer, prayer, and, and you know, it just, prayer for me does something. You know, it, when I go down on my knees and I come up, I just feel I'm ready, you know, the Lord is with me. There's power truly in prayer. Yeah, yeah. So you've got people praying with attendees. Yes. You're praying. Yes. Okay, and you've probably no doubt got a, a prayer team praying behind the scenes. During the meeting, while I'm preaching, and then the prayer team prays post the meeting. So we pray with the persons while they are there from 6 to 7. Then at 7, the meeting begins, and the prayer team goes to another room, and they begin to pray. Then at the conclusion of the meeting, the prayer team comes back out, and they pray with me. Prior to the evangelistic series, we have an all-night prayer meeting yeah. where we all night for seven hours just pray every hour on the hour for the power of God. And that way we know, Anthony, the results that we see, it's not because of us. Mm -hmm. But it's because of God and God's spirit through the power of prayer. Yeah. So it's, it's the power of the word, the authority of the word. Definitely. Did you know the, the power of prayer? It's the power of God. Yes. That calls people to him, isn't it? Yes. You, you can... And I would dare to say in advance, I must add this. 
Evangelism for me is not just beneficial to the people who attend. It's a blessing for me. Oh, yeah. Through the authority of the word, it affirms what I believe. It affirms what I teach and what I preach. If people come to me after they say, you really believe this? Yes, yes. And, and through we see people coming out night after night through the different means uh, of uh, marketing or whatnot, be it the artists, be it flyers, whatever it is. And then it just works hand in hand through the personal relationship, the visitation. And then we, we parallel it to what's transpiring in our world. And then all of it is undergirded by prayer. Well, it seems as though evangelism reinvigorates you. Definitely. And, and transforms you as the, as the preacher, yes. not just the audience. That's correct. Wow. It's a wonderful experience. Wonderful thing. And evangelism still works. And in 30 seconds, what would you say to somebody who hasn't tried evangelism, but's just thinking maybe they should? What would you say to them? I would say to them, God still blesses. God still moves. And you need to understand because people always say the blessings of God are on places. So if I go to a fertile area, the blessings of God will be there. I disagree. The blessings of God are on people, not places. Throughout the net, God will bless you with increase and he will bring the fish. Carlton, thank you so much. You're very welcome. So let's come to the takeaway points from the program. First of all, embrace the uniqueness and distinctiveness of the whole biblical gospel message. Secondly, apply traditional and non-traditional methods. Thirdly, build relationships. And fourthly, visit. And let me add that again, visit. And the fifth point, connect Bible prophecy with current events. And finally, pray. Thanks so much for joining us on Ministry in Motion, and may God continue to bless you in your ministry.